hit you with a little morning quickie Memorial Day radio off today, but wanted to bring back this series now that I can uh, consistently commit to it. I enjoyed giving the you know the news earliest in the day. Now, granted, it's a holiday, so we're going a little bit later than usual, or than I would like to in the in the future. But here we are uh, with today's morning quickie. We'll do a couple of sports and a uh, you know some pop culture stories. Uh, biggest story locally: uh, the Lady Vol softball team loses Game Three after a a pretty dramatic Game Two win and extra innings. Uh, and Game Three was able to hit the game tying home run in the top of the seventh, then turned around and lost it in the bottom of the seventh. So the season's over there. And for Tennessee basketball. I saw the story about Jordan Bone. Jordan Bone, this comes from ESPN+. Plus. Shout out to me being a sucker to pay, you know, $5 a month, but whatever. Every now and then it gives me something that otherwise I don't see. And uh, regarding Jordan Bone and his performance at the Combine, uh, they wrote, Bone has helped himself in the pre-draft process by testing out as arguably the best athlete at the Combine. And he is likely to keep his name in the draft, sources told ESPN. He has some fans in the second round who like his combination of size, shot-making ability, and blazing speed, as well as strong passing strong passing metrics. So Jordan Bone, looking like he will stay in the NBA draft. I know he said he's going to make his announcement the 29th, so that's two days away from now. Uh, but the feeling is that he has done enough at the combine to warrant staying in. He told us all before, you know, he declared that, hey, I am going to do everything I can to become a professional basketball player. His numbers at the combine have really helped him. And it looks like he's staying in. Over the weekend in basketball, we had a really good game six with the Raptors using a 26 to three run. To get to their first ever NBA Finals, Kawhi Leonard has been the superstar, has been the playoff MVP. We'll see if he wins Finals MVP, but so far he has been the playoff MVP as he has carried the Raptors to their first ever NBA Finals. I do wonder how DeMar DeRozan feels, someone who you know obviously came up short, came up short, came up short with Toronto every every time in the playoffs. Him and Kyle Lowry couldn't get it done. They trade DeMar DeRozan for Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green. And next thing you know, boom, Raptors are in the finals. And like I said, I feel like Kawhi Leonard has submitted himself as one of the three best players in the world. I know you might be thinking, like, that's not really saying anything to say you're one of the three best. But, I mean, before the playoffs, he was kind of an afterthought for the most part. I mean, he laid low this season, was really good, but only played in – you know, he only played in, I believe, uh, 60 games. They did a really good job of resting him, keeping him fresh, and it's paid off in this playoff run as he has been ridiculous. I mean, so far in the playoffs, 31 points, nine rebounds, four assists, all while shooting 51% from the field, 39% from three, and 88% from the free throw line. If you are not that big of a basketball fan, uh, that that that's the 50 40 90 club that's what's reserved for the greatest shooters in the NBA not many guys have done that before uh 
Kawhi Leonard's been flirting with it. He hasn't all the way gotten there, but I, I think we'll consider 39% from three, 88% from the free throw line good enough as he's doing this in the playoffs, all while you know guarding some of the best players in the league. That series changed in the Eastern Conference Finals when Kawhi decided to guard Giannis. Now, I know he didn't do it all one-on-one, but a part of being the best defender in the league is knowing, hey, I have to send my guy in the right direction for the double team to help me, or the triple team in some cases. And Kawhi, being as smart of a defender as he is, did that to perfection. Uh, What he did against Giannis was the story of that series. 160 possessions, only gave up 30 points, 35% from the field, one of seven from three and forced five turnovers. That was the difference in the series. Giannis was not the best player in the league. Kawhi has a chance to go ahead and cement himself as number one if he's able to knock off the Warriors. Keep in mind, a couple years ago in San Antonio, he had his group of Spurs up 22 in the third quarter against the Warriors. The first year Durant was there, and Zaza Pachulia closed out too closely, injured his ankle, Kawhi missed the rest of the series. Pretty much ended his time in San Antonio. He played like 10 games last year. So that was pretty much it. He has unfinished business in Golden State. He is a machine that just keeps talking about wanting to win. He has a chance to to be the, the king that was promised. If he can knock off this Warriors team. I don't want to say by himself. Because I do, I do not think this series is as lopsided as other people are thinking. Uh, the Warriors are minus 310 to win the championship. That means you bet $310 to win 100 I like the Raptors at their value of plus 250 I think Kawhi is the best player in this series. I think that the Raptors having home court advantage is something that's just being glossed over. I think it's a huge deal. I don't think it's a hot take to say that Kawhi is the best player in this series. Like Kevin Durant is going to miss the first couple games. He hasn't started basketball activities. He is still walking with the limp. Uh, I'm not certain that he'll even play in this finals. Now, maybe he comes back. I don't know, but I'm not certain. And I definitely ain't taking 80% of Kawhi, uh, 80% of Kevin Durant over 100% of this Kawhi Leonard. Not happening. Uh, Steph's not as good as him. Steph can't give you both things on the uh, on the on both ends of the court. He can't do that. I'd rather have Kawhi in this series. And then, of course, I'll take the next three Warriors. I'll take Steph, Draymond, Clay in that order if I'm drafting assets. But after that, I mean, I think you go to Kyle Lowry and Pascal, Pascal Siakam. Like, I think that they are uh, more even in this matchup than people are letting on. I'm not exactly ready to pull the trigger on the Raptors winning, but I do. I, I will guarantee the Raptors win at least two games. Like everyone talking about the Raptors are going to get swept or losing five. I, I'm not buying that. The Raptors are winning at least two games. And I wouldn't be shocked if they won the series. I, I think this is a, a better matchup, especially without Durant, than people are acting. And I'm working under the assumption that Durant is missing at least the first two in Toronto. Uh, the opening you know, game one line is a, is a one-point spread, I believe, uh, going back and forth between the Raptors and the Warriors being favored. I like the Raptors to win game one, and then I think you will have a have a different conversation surrounding this series because I, I think I think Golden State has thrown everyone off their scent when it comes to them being just fine without Durant. Yeah, they won game six. They were able to beat Houston. Houston uh, is known for choking, right? Chris Paul, James Harden, 
Can't win the big one. Chris Paul, James Harden arguing with each other on and off the court after and during game six. And then they go to play Portland, and that, that, that series had 184 minutes in it. Portland led for 101 of them. Golden State was able to make the plays to win, don't get me wrong, and, and, and that deserves praise. And that's kind of the old Golden State philosophy. But at the same time, Portland is pretty much just Dame Lillard and C.J. McCollum and then a bunch of scrubs or a bunch of replacement-level players. You're not going to be able to sleepwalk or, or, or play with fire, get down double digits against the Raptors, and then expect to flip a switch. I like the Raptors in this series to keep it close, maybe even win it. Excited to see what Kawhi Leonard can do. Let's hit a quick NFL story. Like I said, I'm going to try to get you uh, uh, some from something from almost every sport. Won't be every time, obviously, but if it's there, I'll, I'll give it to you. Uh, in the NFL, new Patriots tight end Benjamin Watson is facing a four-game suspension from, quote, treatment from when he thought he was retired. He says, after my contract expired last March, I told my doctors, I'm done. I'm finished playing. I, went, I then went through a series of medical tests and was presented bio-identical testosterone cyponat to assist in healing my body and mind, says I took it. Thinking I was done, then I got the itch to play. And, of course, I had failed this drug test, so now I'm missing four games. And says, I know this is going to be tough to you know, kind of implement myself in a new locker room, earn playing time, this and that. But I was forthcoming with the Patriots, and they support me. And, uh, you know, whenever game five rolls around, I'll be ready. Ben Watson's going to play a big role for the Patriots at some point. You know, Gronkowski gone. Uh, the Patriots are going to need a playmaker at tight end, or at least someone who can who could take a uh, linebacker down the middle of the field like Gronk does. Although with the Patriots, they're not worried about the first four games of the regular season. They're worried about how you feel when you get to December, right? I mean, the year that they won the Super Bowl, Tom Brady was suspended four games. Looked a lot fresher in, in the playoffs. I'm sure the Patriots are okay with this. Packers legend Bart Starr died on uh, Sunday. Dead at 85, obviously before my time, but a legend of the game that you grow up knowing the name of, uh, Bart Stark, passes away. And then I saw a funny headline of Donovan McNabb, who is making the case that he is a Hall of Famer. And I feel like once you're having to make your own case that you're a Hall of Famer, you're kind of not a Hall of Famer. Now, with Donovan McNabb, obviously the numbers are there, I believe. The postseason success is there. I mean, I know he never won a Super Bowl, but... He made five NFC championships, did win one of them. That's pretty good. That's pretty stout. But if you're having to go out and tell people, hey, I'm a Hall of Famer, that's kind of not the criteria of being a Hall of Famer. Usually Hall of Famers, you look around and people just all kind of agree, yeah, you're one of those. So far, McNabb hasn't been. And he uh, you know, was asked by TMZ if he thought he was, and he said, yeah. Yeah, especially if you compare my numbers to uh, Troy Aikman. My numbers speak for themselves. My numbers are better than Troy Aikman's, uh, but he has Super Bowl rings and he played with a bunch of Hall of Famers as well. I mean, if you start looking at Troy Aikman's numbers, you start looking and saying, man, I don't know if this was a Hall of Fame career, but of course, uh, the Super Bowl rings and playing for the biggest franchise in the world, or at least in football, like that, that that's going to carry some weight. I mean, McNabb does have better numbers than Aikman, but I don't think that's going to uh, be enough. Last NFL news, 
Apparently, if you've always wondered who the fastest person in the NFL is, uh, there's going to be a race coming up soon as an event called 40 Yards of Gold is setting up a single elimination tournament to determine who the fastest player in the NFL is. There will be an offensive and a defensive division, and then the champions will race against each other. Some household names like Alvin Kamara will be there. Uh, Mark Ingram, for some reason, thinks he's going to win. Uh, That one seems weird to me. But Ted Ginn has been the cockiest saying he's going to win, even saying he'll put $10,000 up of his own money. Says he's been running light pole to light pole his whole life. If you are a Titans fan, Kevin Byard is going to be in the defensive division. So we'll see. This is a cool idea. They've announced matchups, but they've not really announced all of them at the same time. So it's been a weird way to kind of track this, but keep an eye on it. 40 yards of gold. A couple of college football stories before we hit the pop culture. Urban Meyer was asked about coaching, and he wasn't very he wasn't very firm in his stance that I'm I'm retired. Now he said, "Hey, look, I'm going to say the same thing I've always said. I, I think I'm done coaching." A.K. If the USC job opens up this summer, yeah, Los Angeles will be fun. I'm working with Matt Leinard and Reggie Bush. That'll be cool. I'll go coach the I'll, I'll go coach their school living in uh, Southern California. That'll be cool. Getting USC back to where they belong, I could add that to my resume. I mean, that would be a really really good resume, right? One at Florida, one at Ohio State, one at USC. That 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 would be three pretty big schools to do that at. Urban Meyer had the chance to kind of shut it down, and he just said, "Nah, for right now, I'm done." Basically, it's like if the right opportunity uh, presents itself, I- I'm down for that. So just keep an eye. We'll see uh, if if USC or Notre Dame opens up in the next couple of years, how quickly Urban Meyer says yes to that. Uh, some sad news in the SEC as Auburn play-by-play man Rob Bramblett uh, and his wife died in a car accident Saturday evening in Auburn. Uh, the college football world was mourning and uh, shared this iconic call of the greatest end to a college football game of the last decade, maybe ever. I don't know. I don't want to go that far back, uh, but I do feel comfortable in saying this is by far the biggest of the last decade, the kick six. 56-yarder. It's got, no, does not have the leg. And Chris Davis takes it in the back of the end zone. He'll run it out to the 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. He ran the missed field goal back. He ran it back 109 yards. They're not going to keep him off the field tonight. Holy cow. R.I.P. to him and his wife. Let's get to a couple of pop culture stories as we wrap up this Memorial Day edition of the Morning Quickie. Let's start with idiots. Idiots. As hundreds. I don't know if you saw these pictures over the weekend, but if you have it, Google them. They will uh, blow your mind. They will make your jaw drop. They did mine at least. As hundreds have flocked to Mount Everest. I was reading a New York Times story of Ed Doring, a doctor from Arizona, who kind of detailed, hey, I've been trying to climb my whole life. I'm a climbing enthusiast. I consider myself really good. I tried to go out to Everest because the thing about Everest is you only get certain days 
certain weeks of the year that you could climb. It's usually in May. And right now there was a good window to have people climb and hundreds of people showed up. Some people just wanting to climb uh, a good portion and get some selfies, get some selfies off, get some Instagram clout. And, you know, on one hand, I respect that. On the other hand, you're a idiot. The pictures were wild, though, as you just saw lines of hundreds of people in big puffy orange vest, all waiting single file line as they tried to, uh, you know, not fall to their death. According to the New York Times article, it, it described it as, to get to the summit, he had to wait hours in line, he as in Ed Doring, the doctor, chest to chest on an icy rocky ridge with a several thousand foot drop. He even had to step around the body of a woman who had just died. Ten people have died so far this season, uh, and it feels... That the locals think that this could, you know, a lot of these could be avoided by not issuing permits to novice climbers. There have been a record number of permits permitted, or I guess permits handed out this season, as 381 of them have been issued, a record number. It seems as Nepal is trying to commercialize the mountain, trying to strike, you know, with their one biggest national or international, yeah, global landmark. Many people want to go see Mount Everest. They're not really worried about whether or not you're going to survive. All these companies are now just signing up, taking people, and then saying, yeah, we'll figure it out. And apparently it's leading to a a it's leading to a madhouse up on the mountain. It's leading to a really wild scene as you try to make your final climb. Because to reach the summit, you have to just basically take off all your gear. And all you could take is just enough canisters of oxygen to make it to the top and back down. But, you know, a big part of the problem and a big part of some of these deaths this year is that people are getting held up in long lines when they get to the last thousand feet or so. And they can't get up and down fast enough and they're running out of oxygen. Now, some of them are just like, hey, they look like me up there trying to climb. Not something they should be doing. But they assume it'll be okay. They'll assume that, hey, these climbers, these instructors could get me up there. And they're just like, nah, we're leaving you up there to die. We're, we're, we only got so much oxygen for the whole group as they kind of all clamp themselves together and try to walk down. It is a recipe for disaster. Feels like you should have to have some type of um, fitness test to be able to go up there and do it. You should have to you know, prove that you could handle the the environment you could handle the you know the physical toll but so far that hasn't been happening and you've had a lot of people die it's a wild scene if you haven't seen those pictures i urge you to look them up they have been kind of crazy to look at we'll end on a good story though really good internet thread that went viral that told the story of uh, melman floyd mr floyd floyd martin i believe is his name from marietta georgia a journalist for the atlanta journal constitution was riding around with him as he was set to take his last, I guess, round uh, of mail to his his area, to his stops, to his route. And, you know, pretty much everyone on the route had paid special homage to him, had decorated their mailboxes, had all lined up to give him hugs and, you know, kind of talked about how important he was to their life. After his route was done, they threw him a big 300-person a block party to all celebrate his retirement. 
He talked about how he's just always wanting to go to Hawaii, and that's what he wants to do with his trip or with his retirement. That's what he wants to do. They set up a GoFundMe to try to help raise him some money. As we check right now, uh, over the last three days, 1,529 people have donated to this. They have raised over $32,450 as they try to get him his retirement dream, a trip to Hawaii. Atlanta company, Delta, steps up and says, hey, don't worry about it. We got this. Use that $32,000 for spending money. Delta's like, hey, it might be good PR. I don't know, but it's a good gesture either way. And you love seeing it happen to good people. Delta tweeted back to the thread, a trip to Hawaii is the perfect way to celebrate a wonderful career. We'd love to take care of Mr. Martin's flight. Let's connect on the details. NDM. So Mailman Floyd is getting his trip to Hawaii, and he's going to have some spending money. Google the story. It's a long thread of tweets of uh, all the impacts he has made on lives. Well worth the read. I've seen a lot of people talk about crying, their allergies acting up, tearing up. It was a uh, inspiring thread. Much better than the idiots all lining up to die on Mount Everest. All right, that's it for Memorial Day. Talk Sports uh, goes live at noon on Tuesday. I'll try to get this thing bad boy out uh, on Tuesday by 7 o'clock as we try to be the first people to uh, hit you with a story to kind of wrap up the day before.